turn, if you would, to Psalm uh, chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. Praise the Lord. Let me turn there real quick. Mike, if you just roll that up there. I have it written down, but I like to read it just from the Bible. But. Praise the Lord. When I consider thy heaven, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of them, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. If I don't look like I'm nervous, I am. So, for all you people are wondering. But uh, I'll try not to look like I'm nervous. But anyway. Um, when the word there visits means, what is man that thou carest for him? Is really what that means. And the word mindful in the Hebrew means that God has marked man so as to be recognized or to bring man to his remembrance. And what is man that God has marked him? What is man that God has always brings him to his remembrance? Um, and why is it that God would be so concerned with mankind when... Mankind has taken prayer, at least in the U.S., out of school. Uh, when there's the separation of church and state, and you hear that a lot now, that you get the church out of the government. The church can do what it needs to do, and the government will do what it needs to do. Um, whole nations are atheistic. They're godless. They claim that their, you know, their religions are not Christian-based, that they're not based in God, but they're based in a prophet. Uh, Hinduism worships animals and many, many gods. Um, and man worships many things, not just animals, but himself, money, fame, fortune, things that the Bible says don't bring us any closer to God, but actually things that God is not very pleased with. So what is man that God has marked him and brings him always to his remembrance? And God is concerned with man, and this is what I feel, because God remembers the garden in the Garden of Eden when things were a whole lot different than they are today. When man was in fellowship with God and when man and God talked face to face and God walked with them. And God remembers that time and it's never gotten out of his mind. And praise the Lord. If you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Praise the Lord. We'll see here that God. Praise the Lord. It says there, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and he put the man whom he had formed. And that's where he placed him. He had made him a lot like a mother. And some of you men, I can only relate through hearsay and through my friends, but when the baby's coming, there are baby rooms that are made, and they take precedent. And everything about that baby room has to be just right. Some of my friends have talked about it. And, I, and where does those type of feelings come from in a woman? They're in the heart of God. God made a garden for man and prepared it for man and put man in there. And God formed that man. And the very desires that a lady has to have children, they are the very desires of God. Because God 
though, as we refer to him as him, was the first mother and father because Adam was his son. And that's why God is always remembering man. Now let's turn to Genesis 2, chapter 22 and 23. You can turn there real quick, just a few verses down from there. It says, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she has been taken out of man. And the question I pose and I'll answer these questions is, well, where was Adam taken out of? Adam was taken directly out of God. God formed him, but God breathed into him as we just read the breath of life. And then when Eve was taken out of man or out of Adam, that's where she came from. And from henceforth, all children have been come forth from their parents. So there's a process there where all of humanity has come out of God. And the point is that we are all part of God. And that is why God cannot get people out of his mind. Because they are a part of him. And that's why you mothers with your children, how come that despite the pain and the late nights and all the work that go into raising children, and um, of course men don't relate to it nearly as much, why would you have a child when all those things would take place? Because... That was God's desire, and God has placed that same desire in you. And why would God make man when he knew that Calvary's cross was a pain that he'd have to bear? When he made man, it says that Jesus Christ was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And that means that he knew in making man that there was the possibility, because man has a choice, that there would be failure. And in that failure would be the fact that God would have to bear the cross of Calvary himself as a man. And that would be the pain that he would bear. And that there would be late nights. Jesus, the Bible says, prayed all night. And there were late nights. As Jesus sought the will of his Father, being God in the flesh, he had late nights praying over Jerusalem. The Bible says he wept over Jerusalem and cried. And there was work. There was a lot of work for the Son of Man when he was on earth. But it was worth it, and in God's mind there was no turning back, that this was it. Once man was made, the choice could be made that he could serve God or he could disobey God. There are times in history, we read through the Bible, that God repented that he'd ever made man, and he sent a flood. But one man found grace and mercy in the eyes of God, and that was Noah. And God puts a rainbow in the sky today to say that he'll never destroy mankind again. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just praise the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Jesus, Lord, we love you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. But you know, as I was saying, God lost his first son to sin. And there are people here sitting today that have lost their children to sin, to alcohol, to drugs, to gambling, whatever sins that come and take the souls of men away from their mothers, from their dads, and from the hands of God. And God, the story of the prodigal son, is a story that God can relate to. Because God lost his son, Adam. Because Adam made a choice to disobey God. 
And many parents can relate to the story of the prodigal son. You've done your best. You've raised your children. You've birthed those children. You've breastfed those children. you weaned those children. you diapered them. You did all these things. You did nothing wrong. But there is that element in the soul of man that there is a choice. And that he can walk away from his parents or walk away from God. Like I said, the story of the prodigal son is a story that any parent that has ever raised a child could relate to, maybe not find empathy in, but find some sympathy in the story that's there. But as I said, sin has separated man from God. God built the body, he placed a soul in it, he breathed in the man and he became a living soul. And while man was without sin, that is without the knowledge of sin, he had fellowship with God and what fellowship it was. But you let sin in the picture, you take man out of God. Because sin separates man from God. You take man out of God, and he will die. If you turn with me to Romans 6.23. Praise the Lord. Get it up there. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the cost of sin is death. And as I said, if you take man out of God, man will die. And just to give you a simple picture, I heard this at the midwinter camp meeting, if you take a tree out of dirt, a tree will die. If you take a fish out of water, a fish will die. And whatever that creature or that plant was made from or came from, you pull it out of its source, its place where it draws its life, it will die. You pull man out of God by sin, and he will die without him. Praise the Lord. But see, the issue, though, you know, no one likes to take blame for sin, and sin comes into our lives in many different ways, sometimes beyond circumstances that are out of our control. The issue is that you were born, if you've ever heard of what is called, and I'm sure you have, and we never like to hear it, Brother Grant had about it, but cancer, but then there's such a thing as called terminal cancer. And when they say terminal cancer, that means that you have cancer that is beyond curing or removing tumors that eventually, left to their own, will bring about death. And the sad thing about mankind is that each one of you sitting here tonight, those of you that have been saved and filled, as Brother Thomas talked about, have been born again, there are some of you sitting here tonight that I know that have never been born again. And each one of you sitting here has been born with what I would call a predisposition to terminal cancer of the soul. That's what you are born with. It's called spiritual cancer. And every one of you has it. And there's nothing you can do about it. Because you were born with it. And you say, oh, that's not fair. If I can take this. Let's go on. Charlie. Thank you. Praise the Lord. You say, oh, that's not fair, you know. Well, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22. And the Bible tells us that that's exactly how it happened. That, praise the Lord, that death came through a man, and that man being Adam, but the resurrection of the dead comes through a man as well. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Praise the Lord. So the scripture is very clear that when you were born as a child, as healthy as you look, 
as beautiful as you were to your mother, because um, all children are beautiful to their mothers. <laughs> Every time you talk to a mother, you'd think, oh, no, there's been another president born. But, uh, and I'm sure that my mom said the same thing, but I'm sure she's changed her mind since then. But anyways, um, <laughs> but when you were born, as beautiful as you were and as much joy as you brought to that family, there was in you the predisposition to terminal cancer of the soul. And left to your own, without God, that you will die. The scripture says that. That you will die not only physically, but you'll die spiritually. Because through one man, that is Adam, that death entered into the world. And tonight, because of that, because God is ever mindful of man, God is seeking for your soul. God has not lost track of you. He has never lost track of you. You could, David said, I could be on the highest mountain or in the bowels of the earth, and God would know exactly where I'm at. But the point is, your soul is not functioning properly. You're not, the Bible says that God came to seek and save that which is lost. From what I heard and what I understand, I'm not a Greek scholar. It doesn't mean that you were lost, that you weren't able to be found. It meant that things were not working correctly. That the things in your soul, because of this predisposition, are not going to work correctly because sin has entered into the world through one man, Adam. God is aware of man's condition, including the condition of his saints. And I'm going to get on that a little bit. But the world is not going on without God's awareness and presence. He's very mindful of man's condition. He's very mindful of each and every person across the world and upon continents and upon in this, in this church tonight that he's very mindful of exactly where you're at and exactly how your soul stands with him. God is reaching for your soul tonight. And that's what he wants. I'm not reaching for your soul, but I'm giving you a message that God is reaching for your soul. People who don't know the Lord, I'll say this to you from personal experience. What you feel inside of you tonight is God's Spirit addressing your spirit. The Bible says the lamp of the Lord searches the spirit of man and it searches out his inmost being. And the things that are spoken across this pulpit, the songs that are sung, the lifting of the hands and the moving of God's Spirit is a lamp that is searching in your very soul tonight. And that is the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will reason with your spirit. And God is wanting and desiring for you to repent, for you to make a decision, a changing of your mind. And as God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance or a reversal of their thinking. That's what repentance means, is to have a reversal of their thinking. So let me give you some examples of repentance from just people I've talked to after they've received the Holy Ghost. Some of the people are here tonight. I won't mention any names. But one person I talked to said, when they received the Holy Ghost, in a, it, as it strange as it sounds, and you can talk to her if you want, in an Indian worship ceremony, there was a passing of a peace pipe in that Indian worship ceremony. And that night, according to the story that I heard, she said, no, I won't partake of that tonight. And in that ceremony, the, the flow of the Holy Ghost came in, and many people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in an Indian worship ceremony. Strange as it sounds. 
But God wasn't looking at the ceremony. God was looking at the heart. And at that moment where somebody said, I will not partake, there was a change of mind. Another woman I talked to just recently came to our service one morning, and she told me, I came to service for myself and not for the needs of my children, but for my needs. That's why she came. She received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, was baptized in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there was a change in her thinking, a change in her mind. She said, I'm coming for myself. I'm coming because I need God today. Not my children, but I need the Lord. And there was a change in her thinking. Another man just yesterday, that when we talked with him, he said, Today I was offered a drink of alcohol. A man who had been an alcoholic for six for since he was 11, he said. I think that's what he had said to us for a time, since the age of 11. By that time, he was drinking pints of booze for a dollar. And for the next 49 years, if my math is correct, he's 60, that he was an alcoholic. But he said, today, before I received the Holy Ghost, I was offered a drink. And I said, no, not today. And there was a change in that man's thinking. And that's what repentance is, is a change in your thinking. Praise the Lord. Tonight, whether you believe it or not, you're being shown the way of salvation. There's a way of salvation. Hallelujah. The gospel is the power of God, the salvation to everyone that believes it. And the gospel that we're preaching tonight is that Jesus forgives, that the work on the cross, hallelujah, was sufficient, that if you're an alcoholic, that no matter where you stand tonight with God, that in your mind and in your heart, if you can say, God, I'm here tonight because I need you, then that's repentance. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus, Lord. The Bible says, Knowing the time, that now is high time to wake up out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer now than we've ever believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness. The day is far spent, and the time is moving on. And although God is very mindful of the world and the condition that the world is in, time is passing on rapidly. And there's a couple, there will come a point, whether it's tonight and the gospel ship pulls up into the dock and people get on, that there's a chance that you could be left behind. And that's why the Bible says the time is now. The night is far spent. Hallelujah. The Bible also says the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. And I promise you that if you're here tonight, the grace of God will be shown to you and you can repent and receive God's greatest blessing. Hallelujah. If you have a desire to change, that's just not enough because everybody has a desire. Every person that's been addicted to cigarettes has a desire to change. Praise the Lord. Everybody that's been addicted to alcohol has a desire. Praise the Lord. But... That's just not enough. You need to take inventory and pay the price. You need to take up your cross. You need to humble yourself before the cross. Praise the Lord. And that will bring about change. Not just that I have a desire, Brother Blake, and say, oh, I have a desire to be different. No. It takes more than just a desire. It needs to, you need to take personal inventory when you're up front here and you're repenting before God. And you say, Lord, things are not right between me and you. And you're honest with yourself, and you're honest with God. That's repentance. The desire is just not enough. Hallelujah. If you want to really live where you smell the roses, and the days look new like spring, and the birds are singing, 
You've got to get yourself, hallelujah, Lord, full of the one thing that keeps everything alive, and that's Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. You see, when you think about things that are alive and that are exciting, you think about birds, you always think about things that are alive, new babies being born. That's living. That's life. That's things that are vibrant. The roses that smell and the things in the spring. Why do we love spring so much? Because it's alive. Things are coming alive again. And praise the Lord. What keeps everything alive? It's the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And if you want to be alive and you don't want to walk in death anymore, then you need to get into Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Lord. See, Jesus said that He is the resurrection. Mike, I think I gave you this. John eleven twenty five. Praise the Lord. If you can put that. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Hallelujah, Lord. He is the resurrection. He is the life. And those that believe in him, though they were dead. And as I told you earlier, that we are dying. That there is terminal cancer of the soul at work in every man. Yet shall you live. That's the message. That's the gospel. Whoever would live and believe in him shall never die. If you if you believe it, this, praise the Lord. You know, I lived in the world, and what I thought was living was killing me. When smoking, alcohol, the things that I was doing, I was selling drugs in college. I had money in my pocket. I had fast cars. I had all the parties I ever wanted to go to, and all I had to bring was quarter pounds, pounds of marijuana. And I could get into any place I wanted to go, and I could make a lot of money. And you know, what I thought was living was killing me. And though on the outside, and I say this to you young people, because I know the world looks real exciting, because for 22 years of my life, I lived in that world, and I drank, and I cursed, and I sweared, and did everything that I thought was living. And you know, that, that ain't living, that's dying. It's exactly what it is. It ain't living, it's dying. And that's what you're doing, is that you are dying. Praise the Lord. Now to people who know the Lord. This is just just a few words, and I'm going to sum it up here shortly. But the people who know the Lord, you know, sometimes we get the impression, maybe from the devil, maybe from our own minds, that the way to relief for our soul has now changed for us. That things have changed because... You know, after all, we're saints. We worship the Lord. Some of us say, in a few more years I'll be able to say it, that I've been a member in this church for ten years. And I don't know if it's the devil all the time or if it's much just humanity, but we start to think or, like I said, get the impression that the way for relief for our souls has changed. It was good when we were sinners, but now that we're saints, praise the Lord, we've got a different way. And we got a different way of doing things. And you know what's the sad thing? Is I can stand up here, look at all of you on the outside, and everything I look at is living. I can look at you and you've got a new hairdo, and I can say to you, you look nice with your new hairdo or your new haircut. And that shows or says that, that something good is going on in your life. That you, Your car is new. I can say, well, you're successful and you pull up into the parking lot in your new car, and things are going good. Your clothes, like Glenn, 
introduce him in here this morning, or this at, tonight, I should say. The, Glenn's got a new suit on. Where's Glenn at? <laughs> Glenn's got a new suit on. He looks good, doesn't he? Praise the Lord. He did a good job last Thursday, too. That was the last message I heard since I went on vacation. But your clothes are new, your job is new, and you praise the Lord. And I can look at you and I can look at all of you and say that those are great things and, and nothing's wrong on the inside. But I know and God knows that maybe on the inside some of you, your souls, though your saints, are dying. And something, once again, just isn't right. Um, you say, how do you know? Well, because in the six odd years I've been living for God, I've let those things enter my mind. Maybe it was the devil that tricked me into sitting on that pew with a heart full of heartache. And it's happened twice. The first time I said, no, God, it'll never happen again. I won't sit here with everything looking fine on the outside when inside my heart is aching and breaking. And all the time, I'm wanting someone to know. And all the time, I looked fine on the outside. And I really was dying on the inside. I wanted, at those times, so much for someone who cared just to come up to me with a word from the Lord and tell me that he knew that, he knew that I was hurting because I was dying on the inside. Oh, I know what it's like to think that nobody knows that I'm dying on the inside. But he knows I was hurting and I was dying. Oh, the Lord is mindful of your dreams and your feelings and your thoughts and your aspirations. But there's times when you're sitting to God and you sit there and the words preached to you and the people that love you most are walking by you and you're trying to reach out for God. But you feel it hurts, and you know that things aren't right. Not that you may be a fallen into sin, because I never fell into sin. It's just that something somebody said, uh, some dream that I had wasn't happening quick enough. Something in my life was not happening the way I wanted to, and it was really hurting me on the inside. But, you know, I looked in the Scripture, and... In, I'll just read some of these, Psalm 139 and 3. The Bible says, Thou compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. The Lord searcheth all your heart and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts of man. And the Lord searcheth every heart. And he, and he says, I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Praise the Lord. What is man that thou art mindful of him, God. Praise the Lord. You know, I know that there's some of you I prayed and I cried and that you feel just like I felt and that you really want somebody to come by and say, I know you're hurting. You don't want to tell them. You know, I sat there and I said, Lord, let it be somebody, you know, that I trust and I can spill my whole heart out to because really I wanted to say it, but I just couldn't find the guts to see somebody out myself. But the Lord knows. What was the woman at the well that Jesus was so mindful of her? There she was, a harlot, had five husbands, a woman, a Samaritan woman at that. 
And I say all that to say, if you read the story, the, the disciples came back and they said, what in the world is he doing talking with a woman? And a Samaritan at that. And there she was, a harlot, had living with a man. But you see, Jesus could see her heart all the way in Judea. And the Bible said he must have need that he went through Samaria. And he said to her, woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me the drink thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And in closing, if you only knew who it was that was reaching for your hurt soul tonight, you would come up to the front tonight and ask of him to give you this living water. Hallelujah, Lord. See, God placed the soul inside a man, and he's the only one who can heal it. Praise the Lord. There's no chemicals you can read in People Magazine or Time or Newsweek, all those. And there's all kinds of chemicals out there that will set things right. There's all kinds of psychiatrists, but none of them can do or are capable of doing what God can do in a moment. Hallelujah, Lord. The spirit of man has to be completely overhauled. It's not functioning right. It's not working right. That's why the Bible says you must be born again. A whole new start. Not that you're born again, as Nicodemus said, from your mother's womb, because how could you go back? But Jesus said you're born from above. And it's an overhauling. And some of you, not those of you that are that have never known God, you need an overhauling. You need God more than you know. Because just like every cancer patient, everything was fine. Everything was going good till the doctor said, you have terminal cancer. And if I say it now, one more time, you have terminal cancer of the soul. And God wants to overhaul it and, and take it out. Praise the Lord. And some of you just need a tune-up from the master mechanic. You just need a little turning of the carburetor, a couple new spark plugs, an oil change, some tears to flow, someone to pray with you, and you'll be back running like you always did when you first knew the Lord. Praise the Lord. Your mind can't do it as much as you'd like to think in your mind that another day will come, a better job will come, a better situation will come, my husband will change, my wife will change, my kids will come back, something's going to happen in my life and in my mind. But you know what? The problem is God has to have complete control. And that's sometimes our problem. We think things have changed for us. We're saints. And I've got a little bit of control now. You don't have any control over your life. I hate to break the news to you. But God, let me say this, God is a spirit. He is not mine. He will bypass your mind and he'll dress your spirit. You can't think your way into better days. Praise the Lord. Romans 8, 27 says, He searches our hearts and knows the... He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with, the God, with God's will. That's the issue. You, the Spirit has to make intercession through you. You have to allow God to make intercession through you. In the end of my message, I know this is short, I wanted it to be short. I don't like to be long-winded. Praise the Lord. But the last one, Psalm 23 and 3. 
if you'd stand with me. Praise the Lord. Psalm 23 and 3 says, And you know, I say this, you know, David, a lot of things that David wrote, at least in my opinion, at least what I can tell, the best things that David wrote were long after he was serving God. That after he had sinned and failed God, that after the prophet came to him and said, said, David, you are the man. And there was a word of wisdom given. Sure, David didn't like it. Um, I heard at the winter conference, one of our preachers there searched it out. The first one, the first son that David had from Bathsheba was not Solomon, but he was named Bitterness, or my soul has bitterness. The second son that he had with Bathsheba was my soul has found its mourning, moorings, or base. And his third son he named Nathan. After the very after his pastor, the very man that exposed exposed the sin in his life, you know. But as I said, David wrote I think his best psalms at the end of his life, when he had finally seen the mercy of the Lord. And this is what he wrote, one of my favorite psalms, the whole psalm. But I'll just read part of it, Psalm twenty three and three. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Praise the Lord. And to end it, the Lord will restore your soul. If you're here and you're someone that has never, ever felt the presence of the Lord, and like I said, you know, when you're in sin, you ain't living, you're dying. And praise the Lord, whether, like I said, you've got cancer in your soul. And if you'll come up here tonight, there'll be people to pray with you, and you'll be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you'll start all over. And I say to you people, and the people that I've prayed for, and I think I know who you are, just from praying and just with the Lord's light in my heart, there's some of you who say, ah, you can't, what you're saying is hitting me at home right in the heart. But you really don't know. Well, I do know. And I say it again, I know what it's like to sit in church and hurt in my heart and cry at home after a service because of what was preached really touched me, but I just didn't have the strength to go up and let somebody pray for me. And I tell you that when I did get the strength, I did tell somebody, and the Lord used that person in my life, all things changed. And the Lord poured those living waters back into my soul, and I'm up here preaching it and telling it to you. Why? Well, as you can just see, I'm just a man. I have hurts and feelings just like you. But I know the Lord can touch you. Hallelujah. I'll give this over to Brother Thomas. Brother. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Oh, Jesus. You are so good, Lord. You are so good to us, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Praise God as the praise singers begin to sing. We're going to open up this front area here, this altar area for you to come and pray. You can stand, you can kneel. Praise God. Praise God. we got people that will come and pray with you. Praise the Lord. Come on. Come on tonight. Praise God. Ask the Lord to touch your heart. Praise God. 
Ask the Lord to take away the, the sickness that is in your soul. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. You might feel like everything's all right, but if you don't know Jesus tonight, praise God. Praise God. You do have terminal cancer in the soul. You need to get Jesus in your heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's here. He loves you. Praise God. Jesus wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost more than you want the Holy Ghost. Praise God, Jesus wants to meet your need even more than you want your need met. Praise God, and He knows where you're at tonight. Praise God. Come on up and trust Him tonight. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Wonderful joy.